every single one of those ruptures is basically creating a survival strategy to overcome that rupture. And those strategies become our survival strategies for like making it through the world. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. Well, my fellow Satorians, it has come to our attention that many of you are not yet aware of some massive news in the Satori Prime world. So let me let you in on a not so little secret right now. So Guy and I have recently created an app that you can now download on your iPhone or your Android device just by searching for Satori Prime in either iTunes or the Google Play Store. Or if you want, you can even download it directly to your desktop by going to app dot satoriprime.com and the reviews are in and they are lively things like life-changing i love the gamification i share this with everyone in my life and my favorite how is this free so if you want to join your fellow satorians in our very own exclusive community then like i said head either to your itunes or google play store and search for satori prime or simply go to app.satoriprime.com and install it on your desktop So as soon as you join, what we're going to do is we're going to give you access not only to our amazing community, we're also going to give you access to a completely free 10-part transformational mini-series that we've never released anywhere else. And this is where you can begin to uncover all of these limiting beliefs and start upgrading them. Things like money, overwhelm, procrastination. You'll get to see how you can create accountability in your life like never before, and you'll get to experience life in a whole new way. So if you haven't done so already, come join our Satorian family today. Make sure to go download that app. And now it's time for the episode. All right, right, dude. It's been a while. Fuck yeah. It's been a while. So, um, happy new year, first of all. Yeah. Oh yeah. Happy new year. That whole new year thing. What was 2017 like for you? Uh, challenging. And the most beautiful year of my life at the same time, which I guess kind of goes hand in hand with depending on how you look at life. Uh, by far, I would say the most difficult, and I'm putting that in quotes, most difficult emotional year of my life in terms of um, just what I had to go through. My personal ride, a lot of like core wound stuff. Uh, and at the same time, going there has given me a really different perspective on life who I want to be in the world, how I want to participate in the world, how I want to show up for other people in the world. A million things I'm sure we'll talk about in this podcast here. Um, more than anything, just like turned on like some really amazing and interesting new abilities for me. Honestly, it was the best year of my life too. And I think that just goes hand in hand. It was just a willingness to go there, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you said the word abilities. I think a lot, like it sounds like it's different than you developed a skill. Yeah, I think, well, let's, I guess, define that then. Um, I would say ability is maybe something that's naturally occurring that I didn't even know I had the capacity for. So like, uh, like, like having balance on a bicycle is an ability. 
uh, and that can become a skill as you continue to progress into it. Uh, I think, and I've and I've thought this for a few years now, coming out of an experience with uh, Vipassana two years ago, which is a 10-day silent meditation for anybody who doesn't know about that. I had a, some really, I'll even use the word extraterrestrial type of experiences over there and, and or or what some would consider supernatural, which to me at the end of the most exciting part at the end of those 10 days after all that happened was uh, realizing that that was a natural ability of every human on the planet to, mm-hmm. to access a lot of these like frequencies and abilities and powers and dif- different kind of stuff. And I really left there feeling like the whole of humanity is basically mutant pow- like mutants without their powers turned on. And I got a taste of what it's like to put the powers on. Nice. Yeah. So Exam- last- examples of these. Without freaking the hell out of everyone out, um, in short, and this is really short, gaining access to my brain the way that you would gain access to like moving muscles in your body. Yeah. So some certain things that I was capable of of discovering in there uh, was actually feeling. And I mean, I could see when I was in the experience too, but also also feel, and I could continue to do this, actually feeling thoughts being produced and mm-hmm. where they go into the brain. So like actually feeling the neuronal pathways. Mm-hmm. And I had the ability to, and still have the ability to go into my mind. So think of like my knee, for instance, I can think of my knee. I can now find it in here, like where it's actually located. Uh, I could go in there and actually squeeze on that part of the brain with like this muscle that seems to be behind my eye, go in there and actually pull out any signals that my brain might be sending to my knee, which might be causing like inflammation, let's say. I could pull out that signal and, signal and the body actually responds with uh, like an anti-inflammatory type of effect. And I could actually like feel on my body as I do it that like a pain, a pain I might have or some soreness will actually be removed from it. Yeah. So that's like that, that, that I would call an ability. I, I think yeah. a lot of, some people may think that's crazy. And from the experience I've had up to this point, I would have said that five years ago. And now I know I go, Oh, sure. You know, yeah. That's totally possible. Like that's a, there is a map of your body mm-hmm. in your brain. I'm not recalling the, the name of that part of your brain. And uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense because it's, it's, it's all mapped inside of there. It actually looks like a little human in there, mm-hmm. except for the hands and the, the part where your mouth is, is super oversized by mm. comparison because that's where most of your nerve endings are at. Mm. So uh, you being able to access that and, actu- and tell that it's either there or there is just, to me, a super higher level of awareness. Yeah. So we jumped into the super quick. I, yeah. Like, I, it's like, <laughs> like everybody knows. <laughs> But, you know, well, just to say this for anybody who's done plant medicine work and we say, well, I'm going for the healing, going for the healing. Uh, if you've done, let's say, an ayahuasca experience and you're like, I have a shoulder pain, and you're like, ayahuasca, please help me heal my shoulder. You know that you're now with this kind of spirit. You can actually feel the medicine working in your body. And then you suddenly like feel this like warm energy, like moving up to your shoulder and like working that out of there. And by the end of the ceremony, your shoulder might feel 90 to 100% healed. You know, how did that happen? It's not just a spiritual impact. Maybe you had some old memory that was tied to pain, like spiritual pain in the totally. body that, that gets yeah. released. And there's also like physical inflammation that's happening. And once that's removed, you're going to feel a million times better. So, you know, to say that only when I take medicine is that possible, that's ridiculous. The medicine is showing you what's possible. Right. And it's like, we have this ability to. I would say some of the, the largest improvements I've seen in my posture, the, the amount of movement I've gotten in my hips mm. uh, from uh, some work with ayahuasca. Mm. You know, they're just, there's stuff that was stiff in there. Sure. And once those associated memories were reconfigured in whatever way, all of a sudden, the stiffness in that part of my body vanished. Mm-hmm. And now I can move my hips. 
Very, very interesting. Um, For sure. Yeah, we did just jump right into it. I was like, just like, what did you get? Well, yes, I went into my brain and I started (laughs) healing myself. And I I think that sounds, it it sounds ridiculous. and And I hope that it sounds ridiculous because there's not enough education on the planet for us to uh, see how normal that actually is. Like if there's anything I learned last year is that mystical magic and things that we're calling like manifestation is actually the default state of humanity. Except most of us were educated in such a way that we never even had an inclination as to what our gifts are. Like school is not set up. Uh, Family circles are not set up right now to help you discover life purpose. They're not set up to help you discover your personal magic. They're help you that you the only part of the brain that we seem to develop early on in life is is a mirror. Mirror what mirror what you're like other people are doing, which makes you not want to actually step out and do something that might seem unique or weird or mystical or magical for fear of what are they gonna think? Right. So it's like we're programming the whole of humanity to be like, well, if you know, like there's this way you're supposed to be. And the funny part is to me, the things that I feel would make a difference in education are teach people about money, teach people about health, teach people about communication, teach people about spirituality. I mean, like we do that one generation from today, we're a completely different society. And and we've had this system that was installed, um, I was going to say by Roosevelt, but that's not true, by... Um, Rockefeller. Thank you. Yeah, so like the, the, the educational system was instilled by Rockefeller in 1903, and we've been using that same educational system ever since. If you think about the motivation for the educational system in 1903, it was to create factory workers, which means automatons. Everybody be exactly the same way. I was listening to Napoleon Hill's Outwitting, Outwitting the Devil. I've yet to read that. I, I really want to. So it's basically like the opposite of conversations with God. He's, he channeled the conversation with the devil. And he gets all this information from the devil and how he like controls people's minds. And one of the things, and so that book was written in 1938. If you guys know the lineage of that book, he, he was scared to publish the book and his publishers were scared to publish the book because of the repercussions of that conversation. They didn't publish that book till about seven years ago. So the estate, even he died in the seventies, the state held onto the book and wouldn't release it for another 40 years until after his uh, wife died also, who was like, we're not going to release this book mm-hmm. because of the reputation. It's a conversation that by today's standards is somewhat normal and average, which is amazing that we're at this place where I think at least I can listen to it from that place. And he's already talking about these problems in the educational system in that book. And that was written 30, you know, right. 70, 80 years ago. So it's pretty amazing. We still haven't done anything a, about it. It's a lesson for me to speak up sooner because this is very, very common. People don't speak up because they're afraid they're going to be seen as weird sure. or an outcast. That's what you were saying. Sure. Because that's not how we're, we were trained or conditioned. Well, let's, let's have this podcast be where we're not afraid to talk about the weird and the, the non-conditioned for sure. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. We'll, we'll dive in then. Yeah. So can I ask you some questions? Yeah, I was... Well, we, we, we were having a discussion. We were starting to have a conversation before we put the mics on. And then I realized this would be super juicy. Yeah, you realize it'll, it'd be super it, juicy. It'll be more natural instead of having to like recreate, you know. Yeah. So uh, this is how Michael and I, it's, it's funny. Like I have the same thing with my brother. We do like a lot of podcasts and we do a lot of coaching and stuff. And more often than not, I find out about his life and actually what's going on on coaching sessions. Because oh, we, yeah. we share a lot of really personal stuff. Well, um, what gets shared here is different than usually what gets shared over coffee. I agree. I, I'm, why, why do you think that is? This is much more focused in my, my experience. 
no one's pulling their phone out. I see. Yeah, I don't know exactly why. Well, yeah, I guess here we sit down with an intention when we have a cup of coffee. The intention is to like shoot the shit. Yep. Although in the future, if you want, we could have a cup of coffee. That's very intentional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to talk to you about what's going on in your life too, because there's a lot of changes happening in your life. And as far as I know, so Michael is like kind of going to live a bit of a more nomadic lifestyle soon, which is amazing. Um, I've never been nomadic, but I've traveled a lot. Like last month, last year, I traveled five months out of the 12 months of the year. I love that. I love that kind of process. So uh, number one, you're traveling. Number two, that means letting go of a lot of security blankets, a ton. And then there's all this shit that starts happening right after you start letting go of that. So I'm curious about all that experience. Yeah, I've actually never felt so uncertain in my life. Mm. So I, I even, the other night, I tried to find a moment in time where I felt more uncertain. And I, I, I look back and I go, well, I felt really uncertain in this moment. And I had a level of certainty in this aspect of my life because of this. Like, uh, well, going in the Navy, I was like, oh, I was really scared. And there was mm-hmm. uncertainty. And there was a level of certainty because a lot of people have done the Navy. And there's a track. And there are a lot of things that are predictable there. And then getting out of the Navy, I was like, well, I know I'll go to school. I can live with my parents. Mm. You know, starting my own business. I was still in school when I started my own business. There was, I was riding two horses. So now, yeah, I'm in a place now where a lot of, like a lot of what I was doing previously just isn't happening anymore. So as far as I can tell, you're probably emotionally in the best place of your entire life right now. 100%. Oh, emotionally, I'm super, I'm incredibly solid. Yeah. Um, not just solid, just really more joy. Comfortable with yourself. Very, very comfortable yeah, with myself. Yeah, more than I've yeah. seen you since I met you and we've known each other for I think like a year and a half now. Yeah. It, it feels like a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to pinpoint is, can you, not necessarily a process, but do you have an, inc- do you have an inclination or no? Because a lot, like a lot of stuff hap- started happening very quickly. Is that true? Yes. Like more, more faster than you're used to, like a, a, like a velocity got added. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of change that started happening in August. And then in the last month, mm-hmm. just, and just things that I had been thinking about, things I had dreamed about, things that I had desired for a year or two, all showed up on my doorstep. And they started showing up on my doorstep, and then it just started flooding. Mm-hmm. And, and it was… It was not surprising and surprise. It's like you could see him coming from far away, but suddenly it was just happening very Yeah, I was like, oh, this will be happening in April. Right. Oh, wait, now it's February. Yes. And then I go, whoa, this is because April was soon too. Like I I had pushed some things. And a lot of what it had to do was I started conversations. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is what I see mm-hmm. is I started having conversations for things that I was withholding mm. previously. And the moment I started speaking them into existence, they started happening. And then they started happening faster. Yes. And I, one of the things I did intentionally is as I started letting things go from my life, and you know we're, we're letting go of our house. As I started letting things go, I recognized what I attempted to do, and I, I think I did a good job of it, is not attaching to something new. Mm. Letting go of something old and just letting new stuff show up instead of, I even, I even 
started doing something new. Instead of you making it happen. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I caught myself. I spent a week trying to make something happen. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. This is just more of the same. Mm-hmm. And I made some phone calls. I put some breaks on it. And I went right back. And then it, it's like a possibility opened back up. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing how doing will slow down velocity. Yeah. 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 Ironically. Yeah. And um, I re- the conversations were, were pivotal. Another thing that happened is back in August, oh, man, I've been, uh, I've been adopting new, a new mantra every six to nine months is how long it seems. Okay. I, I adopt a mantra. And when things come up that are questionable in my life, oh, should I take the left or the right road? And I go, what's the mantra? And I, and I, and I oh, the mantra says go left. Give me, an exa- give me an example of what do you mean by a mantra? I had a mantra last year, which was work easy. Mm. So anytime I was, anytime I started doing work that felt hard, heavy, stressful, I would say work easy. And I would find a way to make it easier. And sometimes it was just gaining a new perspective on what I, of the moment I was in and being, becoming more present. Sometimes it meant delegating whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it meant I just, the thing that I was doing just never happens. And so work easy. I adopted that. And it really, it got to a point where that became my life. And I, I didn't have to use the mantra anymore. It was just a way of Intuition. being. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was embedded in the subconscious yes. because I put the repetitions in. Now the mantra I adopted back in August was, and it's still holding right now, is uh, high speed, low drag. Okay. And actually uh, borrowed that from, you know, special operations, uh, special forces. A lot of those guys use that high speed, low drag as a way of being that is you pack light. Uh, there's not that many people involved in whatever you're doing and you strike and you keep moving, mm-hmm. keep moving, keep moving. There's no setting up camp. There's no uh, occupying a place or anything like that. And you only take what you need type of situation. Mm-hmm. I actually intended for the low, high-speed low-drag mantra to be used you know, in a spe- for a specific situation. I was, I was in a specific situation in, in business where I saw that I had done the opposite of that and it didn't serve me very well. It really just fucked shit up. And so I go, well, <laughs> let's go the other direction. Let's go high-speed, low-drag and see what happens. And it did wonders for the business. And then what came out of that as well, there's a lot of things that are tied to this. As this is, the mantra is not the only thing. But I also cut my relationship with my wife at the time too. And I didn't even think about the mantra in regard to that. But as I, I was talking to my friend Max this morning and we were talking about mantras and I was talking about how that mantra actually dictated my life the last few months sure. where I go, I couldn't imagine a more high-speed, low-drag situation than what I've created for myself right now. Mm. And uh, I was like, wow, this is really, really incredible. You know, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what mantras you use because it can quickly escalate and apply to every aspect of your life. And uh, I'm really thrilled sure. about it. Yeah. And, and I imagine, well, it does, right? Because another way of saying a mantra is like the breakthrough that I'd like to have is, 
And any insight into like a new way of being is going to naturally create all these like breakdowns in your life. So if you're saying like, well, my mantra is um, fearless communication. Right. Right. So you're like, okay, well, from now on, I speak my mind. I speak my truth. In all situations where I normally withhold, I'm going to speak more. Everywhere you go where you're not being in fearless communication is going to occur like a breakdown opportunity type mm-hmm. of situation. Mm-hmm. And it's not like going to be like reserved for my relationship with my wife or how I show up in business. It's going to be like with my parents and when I go to the gym and when I'm at the store, like it's, it's going to show up in all ways. Like the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. What I love about being hyper-focused on that and I, and, and just from a, like an astrological point of view, I would say you need about four months for just about anything. Part of what you're doing is- I need four months. Any person for that instance. Okay. So if you like take your birthday, like mine is September 8th, at least astrologically speaking, every four months from your birthday, you have an energy and then you're going to pivot energy and then pivot. So for me, it's like September 8th to January 8th. So like right now, pivots about to happen for me. January 10 would be mine. Right. And then- Wait, wait. No, no. no, no. February. No, I'm October. You're October. Okay. Yeah. So February. February. And then for me, it's like June. So for you, it'd be July. Mm -hmm. So just like be mindful because it'll be interesting if you see this for yourself. Because when I first heard this, I was like, huh? But it's like we have like seasons throughout the year, just like the seasons change. And I always notice maybe like a week leading up to that day, suddenly I just feel really different, like something shifted. Mm. And then it becomes really more clearly defined right around that date. Interesting. But what you're talking about is like if me and you were going to learn how to dance, like a new dance, like at first it's going to be really kind of fucking clunky and we're going to have to pay attention, count the steps, you know, maybe even look down at our feet. Then we're going to be able to like look up at our partner if we have one and then, you know, not so much worry about our feet. And eventually we're dancing that dance. Like if we were dancing the salsa, we'd be like one, two, three, four. But eventually we'll be dancing that dance totally from intuition in rhythm. And this is like that intuition. It just becomes like a rhythm in your life. Right. And that's where it becomes like cemented and planted and, and whatnot. What I love about just hyper-focusing on like just one thing is that what I find with people. Um, so if you guys don't know me who are listening, I've coached probably over 10,000 people. And I'll go back and do an intro. Yeah. Awesome. But uh, but anything that I might not know, please. Sure, sure. And, and I'm not saying this from like an ego point of view, like, oh my God, look what I've done. I'm just saying that I've seen patterns with, with a lot of people. One of the things I really work on with people now, which is not how I used to operate. I was all like big fucking goals. Like here's your 90 days, like go for the real masculine approach. Now harmonizing it with the feminine energy. Um, what I find is people can create big goals. That's cool. However, on your way to that big goal, your next step towards that goal needs to be something that inside your body, when you say it, feels good. Yeah. If it does not feel good. So if you're like a 300 pound man and you're like six pack abs, right? Then that would take you losing 150 pounds to achieve that. The idea of six pack abs for your system, and and this is a distinction we can make, stop calling people people. And just start looking at people like systems, right? And through our our uh, what you could call like ruptures in our developmental systems, and we all have we all have the same ruptures. We have them at different sizes and at different times. So, like your first rupture, and this is why your parents can't help but fuck you up, even if they don't want to. No, no matter how much you learn about a child and its development, you're going to screw it up in some way because you don't know what the child needs. There's no manual, right? So, even if you're like a breastfeeding baby. Part of the breastfeeding process, and this is the first rupture that can happen, it's called the oral stage, is when you're breastfeeding, like let's say you feel undernourished while you're breastfeeding as a child. You can't communicate that. But internally, you have this knowing that I'm being undernourished. That's a rupture. That's going to lead to some perspective on life that life doesn't give you enough or that God doesn't give you enough or you don't get enough from life. You got to work really hard to get something. You might be overnourished and then you become 
uh, extremely reliant on people. We call that like a merger development cycle. And now you try to always get something from people. You always try to make people do something for you. Mm. And it's all in survival. Now that's pre-cognition, pre-language, pre-all of it, right? Like your parents can't control stuff like that. My point is, is that now when you grow up and you're starting to develop new habits that you want to create, if what you're creating creates stress in the system or overwhelm in the system, anything like that is going to automatically turn on all your automated survival strategies. Because mm. every single one of those ruptures is basically creating a survival strategy to overcome that rupture, right? At that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And those survival and those strategies become our survival strategies for like making it through the world. Now, all this is in the subconscious, right? And you can bring it to consciousness and it's in subconscious. So when you're focusing on too big of a thing, what most people get is a lot of overwhelm and stress. It's not here, it's not here, it's not here. But what it's doing is activating the old survival strategy. And that's what you said. Like, I found myself doing something and that would have brought in the old stuff. What you notice is, oh shit, here comes my automated survival strategies. Yep. Of course, that's going to create the same life I already have. So it's like bringing that awareness here. Like, fuck, when you start doing stuff like that, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, this doesn't... This, pump this, the brakes. Pump the brakes, slow it down. And here's the thing, just like remain open and then exactly like that. Like, let it be provided for you. We're, we're in a partnership with the, what you might call big mind, oversoul, uh, greater conscious awareness that's beyond ourselves. We're in partnership with that. We can all tap into that, except most people are so impatient. They try to make it happen because they're freaking out because there's survival strategies at play. When you just bring in that patience and that grace with yourself that you don't fucking know right now, which is okay. And you can bring in that patience. You can bring in that grace, that grace, and you could just sit with it. Something's coming faster, fast, like pretty fast too. If you're really aware, it's it's going to show you almost nearly immediately. So I think that's a really, really beautiful thing to teach people is if you got to travel a mile, you still got to go. What is it like sixty three thousand three hundred sixty inches, something like that? You know, just just focus on that next inch. You can't, you can't go from zero to one mile. And, it, and that next inch is what, for, in my experience, what God or divine source or whatever you want to call it is going to show you. It's going to show you that next inch. And it's like, oh, I moved that inch. And then it'll show you the next inch. But it's like taking those little strides, making that intuitive, and then moving on to the next thing is what leads to like all this magic that's happening in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to pause here for a second and tell you about something that I realized many of you have no idea about. So Guy and I have just released a brand new advanced training. So after hundreds of emails and questions constantly asking us, well, how do I have it all? How do I have it all? We've created the five pillars to having it all. So if any of the things we share with you here on the podcast have resonated with you, then I'd like to invite you personally to an all new training. Now you can register for the next live class by heading to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. There, you'll be able to register for the next live class. Or if you're one of these people that I need it now, you can always just watch the latest replay on that page as well. This, by the way, my friends, is a robust, in-depth training that will help you clearly see what's currently stopping you in any area of your life, be it your health, your relationships, your finances, or simply just maybe you want to manifest that big dream. It will help you with all of that. So again, Go check it out by going to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, that makes sense with the with the ruptures because it got extremely fast. Things started like the snowball just picked up a lot of steam when Ashley and I both did a knots retreat. Mm-hmm. And we spent five days 
working on childhood wounds. Yes. And specifically what our mother taught us, what our father taught us consciously, unconsciously, not just bringing our awareness to it, but really relieving ourselves of what was taught and then replacing it with something that was was much more empowering Mm -hmm. and really dialing into the things that just aren't serving us right now. It's like, okay, this is what I learned. And this is also something that I can, that I can see playing out in my life that I don't like. I don't like how I'm being when these things happen or you know, some people may not even have the awareness of that. I was like, I don't like how the world is occurring to me. You know, the world is doing some fucked up shit. I was like, okay, well, we can change, tweak some stuff that's going on with you. And all of a sudden, the world, the whole world just changed for you. Exactly. And I remember, um, Ashley, it was, who was it? Oh, the, one of the girls that did the retreat with us. I've had some pretty epic transformations in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've had the, the experience of everything looking different afterwards. You know, you, you the next morning you get up and you look outside and you go, Colors. It's so blue. Yeah. It's so green. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Like HD vision. It didn't know. And I, I've had that happen to me a few times. Um, sure. I think you've had the experience. Sure. And I remember this one girl, she was just, it took her a good three or four hours the next morning. You know, we'd done all this work. It was late at night. We get up the next morning. She goes, I think she hung outside for like five, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes, just enamored with the colors of yeah. the sky. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. So um, just to go back to what you said, you know, so you started having conversations, right? But the conversations were a symptom of something that shifted internally. What shifted internally? Because you said August. So something shifted in August. When did you do a knot's work? A knot's work was um, in November. No, beginning of November. I did. I did landmark form in August. Okay. So that's what started it. Got it. So, um, well, I could even say, uh, what I did this spring is I read this. I read a couple books that uh, put me in a funny spot. I, I talked to you about it, mm-hmm. which was uh, you became I, a nihilist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things where like nothing matters, yeah. and we're uh, you know what, I'm gonna have a good time. And by the end of the summer, I was just like, and I knew halfway through the summer. You know, because this happened in the spring and the summer I was like, it doesn't matter what I do. Mm. I'm just going to like have a good time. And, mm. and I did. And uh, <laughs> no regrets. And, totally. um, and I knew halfway through the summer, I go, all right, I'll have a, I'll have a good time a little bit longer. I, this is feeling very pointless. And uh, I'm ready to get on with something new. And I'm going to, I, I decided, I said, as soon as the summer's over, this is, I'm going back in. And, and I, I think part of it too is I had been going in for a few years to do the work and I, I think I was just a little fatigued from it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the whole nihilist thing came in. Sure. And it's a great place to rebuild from. Yeah. Terrible place to stay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, half of my, my friend group had done, had participated in landmark in, in one way or another. So I was like, well, I noticed too throughout the summer, people were having conversations in which I was, I was getting the general gist of things, but I was I could tell that there was just another conversation happening that I was not a part of. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I'll I'll sign up. And there was a there was a few things a few people said uh about landmark during the summer. I go, all right, I'm sold. It's just like, you know, people felt so strongly about it. I was like, if I feel that strongly about something, 
you know, and people do it, they're always happy that they said yes. Sure. So I went and did that. And it, yeah, it, what, what that brought up for me, there was a lot of things came out of Landmark Forum in August. But I saw where I, um, I wasn't communicating mm. because to people authentically. I wasn't coming across completely authentically because I was making a lot of assumptions about what was going on in their life and what was true for them. Mm. And I had created, guy, you're, you're going to say yes or no to something I say because of this, so I don't even ask. Interesting. I saw where I wasn't, even like a, from like a sales perspective, it'd be like beginning on the phone with somebody and someone going and me not making an offer for a product at a certain price because I don't believe they can afford it. Mm. And it's like, I have no idea how much money they sure. make. I don't know what the relationship with money is. I don't know anything about them. But I, because I, I've got certain information, I've created this story about who they are and how much money they have just based on maybe things they've said in the past. And now I just don't even ask for the highest price item. When I could say, hey, would you like to spend $25,000 with me? And they go, fuck yes, I've been waiting for you to ask sure. me. And there were just things like that that, that really lit up for me. And, and I saw where I was creating, a, I was protecting a lot of people around me. Mm. I had assumptions that they were relying on me for their happiness mm. in a way. And I don't think it was completely untrue. I don't know if happiness is the right word, sure. but relying in, in one way or another. And then when I said, you know what? I have been coddling my relationships with people. And I haven't been honest. And I've, I haven't been telling people what I really think because I don't think they can take it. Mm. And, and the truth of it was, was I, don't, I didn't think I could take it right. if, I, if I say, hey, you know what? This relationship isn't working out. And I, I wasn't prepared for people to not like me. And once I got to a place where I realized that the person who matters most that about liking me, the only person that really needs to like me is me. And I got to this point where I was like, I don't like me being somebody who's living for other people yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so I just you know, I started slashing things. And, and what I mean by that is just getting rid of, like even having relationships from just like, this relationship is so toxic that I don't care what the repercussions of, of ending this relationship is. It's not good for me. Sure. And it's not good for them either. If I'm in a relationship where I am not being able to be fully who I am and express myself 100%, that's not of service to the other person either. It, all that, our <laughs> entire relationship is a lie. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just got, I just said, hey man, no more, no more lies, no more trying to make it, set up an entire, I set up an entire world for people to like me. It is a lot of energy. God, yeah, please. And, and I was somebody who acted like I didn't give a fuck. Right. There's a difference between people saying, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I got a pocket full of fucks, but I, you're not going to get any. So people say that. It's funny because it, it sounds to them like they're saying something empowering. But what you're saying is, like, I don't give a shit about people. There's a difference between that and I'm so in alignment with who I am that I'm okay with everything that's not that letting it go and falling away from me and, and surrendering to however that shows up. And I think that's, like, the spiritual way is like I'm now in alignment with who I am so everything that's not that I can say no to and feel mm-hmm. really good about mm-hmm. those decisions 
uh, versus like, I just don't give a fuck about anything. You know, that right, is a little right. that like nihilistic type of attitude. Like, I just don't give a shit. So I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. I'm so spiritual. Fuck this. But it's, it's kind of, it, you're kind of doing it in the shadowy part of it. Right. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. Which, which is fair, right? And most people, again, you just don't even know. And, and you know, something that came up for when, me when you said that, and, and I'm guilty of it just like the rest of humanity, is, you know, like we're, we all are dealing with, I, I say, that the number one virus on the planet is self-worth. Like people just don't value themselves. They don't truly love themselves. Again, not part of our educational system to like learn how to love yourself. And a lot of that has to do with a lack of education and feeling. Show of hands for everybody who's listening to this right now. Like whose parents taught you how to feel? Or properly shared with you things about your sexuality or your life. Like your parents didn't sit you down and talk to you about these things. At least in my family did it. And I grew up in a really freaking amazing, loving family. And yet that was not part of my education. In fact, now I'm teaching my parents. Like here's how you feel. And if you don't feel, you're not going to heal these parts of yourself. I'm sure that's what you learned as part of an arts work. Now, the thing is, if we, if we go inside and we can't heal ourselves because we don't even have the tools or we don't have access to that, what we'll end up doing is like, it's like a compensated pattern. We'll take those inadequacies. We'll imagine that the world has those inadequacies, right? We do this really like streamlined without really knowing that we're doing it. We'll put those inadequacies on everybody else and then we'll try to change everybody else. Right. So, oh, yeah. so it's like if you if you can't say to yourself, like, I'm an angry asshole sometimes, like people who show up like angry assholes around you, you don't have space for that because you don't have space for yourself to be an angry asshole. Right. You're like, well, I shame when I get angry. I shame myself. Okay, well, guess what? Every time somebody shows up angry or, or seems that they're angry, you're gonna shame them too. Cause now your rules of the world are I shame anger. Right, right. But it's really your anger that you're shaming. So you'll go and you'll find angry people and you'll try to make them not angry because that anger makes you uncomfortable. So it's like if I could just heal these people and they can just stop fucking being angry, then I could be everything will be okay in the world. Right. But what you're dealing what you're not dealing with is the fact that you're not dealing with your own anger and your shame around that anger. You don't love that part of yourself. You don't love that you have shame around that anger. And this is what, what I find we're fanatically doing across the entire planet. We're trying to heal everybody so that we can feel okay. And right. we're not and we're not doing our own work. Yeah. And when you go inside, you start doing that work. Guess what? Like when you stop shaming these parts of yourself, when other people are doing it, if they're even doing it, you don't even know that they're doing it. You're just transposing your view of the world on everybody. And then you just filter it through. So it's like, you know, Michael and Bobby and Sandy might be saying something and you're like, fuck, these people are angry. And they might be in a complete joyous experience right there. You have no idea. And that's kind of like the, the illusion that we're living in is the illusion of our own things that we're not working through. And then we're, we're compensating that in the world. Yeah. So one last reminder before we wrap up here today, if you haven't already grabbed the app that all of your fellow Satorians are going gaga over, then I would recommend to do it right now. Well, I guess if you're driving, maybe not just this second, but when you get a chance, go to your iTunes or Google Play Store, search for Satori Prime and download it today. You'll get access, like I said earlier, to an amazing and life-changing 10-part mini-series. And if you want to know the clear steps to create the have-it-all life for yourself, this app is an absolute must. Like I said, and you can hear in my voice, we are incredibly excited to share it with you and be with you inside of our community. So we'll see you there. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family and truly, truly thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, 
that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love, promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends. 